we choose that. We want that as leaders because we're putting in all this work to make a difference. And that pressure sharpens that ability. That pressure focuses us on what matters. That pressure is good. It builds us. So we need to reframe how we look at that pressure because a lot of people say, I don't want pressure. And it's like, if we don't have the pressure, you can't be the diamond. What's up, babe? Welcome to Boldly Courageous, a podcast created for you, the ambitious woman who is ready to take action and step fully into the life you've always dreamed of. I'm your host, Melissa Martin, and each week I will be your virtual wingwoman as you gain the tools and confidence to face your fears head on. The time is now, and this is your permission slip to live your boldly courageous life. Are you ready, babe? Let's do this. Welcome back to the Boldly Courageous podcast. And I am, I, you know, I say this every single time. I'm so excited for this episode, but truly today I have a very special guest. His name is James Silvis. And this episode is so powerful. It's packed with so much perspective and mindset shifts and like quotables and nuggets. And just honestly, I feel like it was two people who are like obsessed with personal development, sitting down and having a really awesome conversation. And I've learned a lot over the past year podcasting. And what I'm starting to love and appreciate is when I can have guests on where I'm not the one asking all the questions, where we actually get to have a conversation back and forth and share different stories and share different perspectives. And this episode is exactly that. And part of that is because James is just such an amazing human and he asks great questions. And the other part is just synergy. And this is what happens when you meet like-minded people and you just vibe. And so James and I actually met through social media. I started following him on Instagram and his content is amazing. And I just love his mission and what he stands for. And then we were introduced by a mutual friend that said, Hey, I think you guys should connect. So we did a connection call and we are podcasting together. So I'll be on his podcast. He's on mine. And in this episode, we dive deep into this concept of leadership and like, what does it mean to truly be a thought leader and the roles that we play as a leader in our business. Sometimes we have to play the role as a leader. Sometimes we have to play the role as a manager and that's okay. And what those different archetypes are. But we, if you are somebody who is looking to grow in any area of your life, whether it's in your career or your relationship or as a parent or in your network marketing business, the, this idea or this archetype of leader is accessible to you. And we also talk about the positive pressure of being a leader, right? It is important to have that positive pressure because that's what's going to motivate you to keep going. And James shares his uh, philosophy behind being the 1%, which is doing what 99% of people won't do. And that is the effects of positive pressure on leadership. We dive deep into energy management and how important it is to be in a peak state. And, you know, that energy literally is the gauge for everything you do in life. And he walks through a very amazing, succinct four-step process to gauge your energy. And you can take that and apply it to, again, your business, your personal life, your career. And we just riff on life. And I will go ahead and say that this is one of my top 
podcast episodes, one of my favorites. I think my one with Johnny El Sasser was definitely my favorite, The Art of Masculinity, but this one is a close second. And so I hope that you love this episode as much as I do. And I hope that you um, really just appreciate the value that James has to offer. So James Silvas is a mindset specialist and peak performance coach who teaches leaders, high-performing teams, and individuals how to understand their minds so they can optimize their personal and professional lives. James graduated with a bachelor from UNLV, where he was inspired to pursue his work by his faculty mentor and four-time world-renowned mental performance coach, Dr. Mark Guadagnoli. James is also the founder of Be That 1%, which consists of a movement, brand, and podcast that inspires others to live life on their terms, overcome obstacles, and do what 99% of people won't. His podcast has reached over 70 countries, and his client base has included companies such as Caesars, MGM, and ADT. I am so excited for you to listen to this episode with James. Let's dive in. All right, James, I'm so honored and grateful that you are here. You are someone who um, has come into my life more recently. I've been following your journey and every time um, I believe like, I believe like God, universe, whatever, like speaks to me through Instagram and I'll open up my <laughs> Instagram and one of your quotes is there and I'm like, yes, thank you. And um, I just love um, the way that you lead, the way that you serve, not only in your professional life, but in your personal life and the life that you've created with your wife is a, such a beautiful example for me of, of what's possible. So thank you for just being a light and being the example and for being here. Oh man, thank you. That, that was fantastic. I felt that got that. Thank you. And I'm honored to be here. I can't wait to create some magic together and, and add some value for your, for your listeners. I love it. So I have to know what is one boldly courageous thing you've done recently? Yeah, that's good. Let's see. Ask for help <laughs> from one of my friends, uh, this morning, actually, I was taking a walk with my son and I was just contemplating, you know, something that I had been thinking about over the past week. And we have a good relationship. We talk regularly and usually I'm the one helping her, you know, reframe some things or think about things differently. And in this call, I did some of that, but I also was like, Hey, do you have, you have a minute? And she's like, yeah. And then I asked her what I was going through. And, and it was just regarding all the things that we're seeing on the media and, and just mm -hmm. some internal kind of like clarity that I needed. And so I asked for help. I was just like, what do you think about this? Like, what would you, what would you do if you were in my position? And I think just that small act of courage and slash vulnerability opened up, you know, deeper levels of our relationship and, and made it even more collaborative, right? If I'm the only, always the one that's giving and she's always the one that's receiving, that's one-sided. And I think we, the more we can create more of these cooperative relationships, the more we both feel special and like we're giving and we're adding value to that relationship. So that, that was a recent, very, very recent moment. Uh, it is hard to ask for help sometimes. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and not, not hard to ask for like, Hey, can you help me fix this thing? Or can you help me, you know, with the groceries? It's more like what I'm hearing or what I'm receiving from you is like, can you help me with something that I'm personally navigating on like a soul level that yes. could maybe open me up for judgment or um abandonment or like I know for me personally like when I ask my sometimes when I ask my friends for help I'm like this feels like 
if you know what I'm navigating, you might judge me, but I love you as a friend and you probably won't judge me, but I'm afraid to ask for help because, yeah. you know, what could the downfall of it be? Right, right. And I think if we, you know, lean into those more often, not only will we get that pressing pressure alleviated to some degree, but we also get a solution, you know, or at least the next step that can help us get out of that stuckness that we're feeling and into some sort of action or resolution. And this is ultimately what allows us to ascend in our leadership, right? And I know this is something that you are incredibly passionate about. We've talked about before. You talk about a lot on your different platforms is this idea of leadership. And it's a term that I think gets thrown around a lot, right? I'm a leader, I'm this, I'm that. And I'm curious, how do you know at what point do you move from like, I guess you never leave student, like you never evolve out of student, but like, at what point are you now a leader? How can you claim that title? Yeah. So that it's, it's really interesting. A couple of things come up when you say that for me is I don't think it's a mixture between the actions you're doing and the integrity that you live in and how other people perceive that and want to follow that, that throws you in the category of a leader, right? But then there's also the side of it that the awareness of you recognize that that's happening and you owning that that's what's happening, mm. right? So there's a, there's a self piece to it. And then there's an other piece to it. Cause someone can say, I'm a leader, but you don't necessarily do the things that leaders do. And so you may think you're one, but no one else does. <laughs> right. Or other people may think you're a leader, but you don't want it. So mm-hmm. therefore you're not, mm-hmm. you know, so it, there, it kind of goes both sides. I think there's a, there's a certain level of ownership that you have to have while also demonstrating something of value that people want and, um, you can offer. Yeah. And I think part of, part of this is the example that you want to set every single day. So we hear that term of like lead by example, right? Right. And so part of, I feel being in any sort of group, right? Like whether it's a friend group or a business group or an interpersonal group, there's always an opportunity to lead by example. And ultimately that is leadership, right? Right. Right. Yeah. Cause the last thing you want to do is enter a room and be like, okay, how do I prove to everyone that I'm a leader? That's not what leaders think. That's like alpha. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That that's a, that's an ego competitive thing. Mm. And not to say that leaders aren't competitive. I think that they are, but when you're, when you're wanting to lead because you love the title more than you love the service, you're not a leader. (laughs) We can end the podcast now. Right. See, that, that, that's a quotable. Write that down. That's going to go on Instagram. Someone's going to read it and be like, yes. That's, that's the next Instagram post right there. Yes. <laughs> it's so true though. And it's like the same, I was having a conversation. Um, my friend Johnny is married to one of my best friends, Taylor. And we talk, we had a conversation about this idea of like the alpha man, right? And, and he mm. was saying that if you have to say that you're an alpha, you're not an alpha. Right. Right. Because the alpha just is, it's an energetic, it's a vibration. It's a way of being, it's not a, a statement of like, uh, you know, like to your point, like I have to come in and 
state that I'm a leader in order for people to know that I'm a leader. No, you just are, you just be that thing and you just show up every single day in that frequency. So maybe to that point, maybe leadership is less of a title and more of an embodiment and frequency, the frequency of leadership. 100%. Yeah. And then the, the label is just something that categorizes something so that we can make sense of it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, to, to your point, the consistency in which you show up is ultimately what creates the dependability, mm-hmm. right? If I, if, I, if I see you every day and you, you know, are doing what you're saying you're doing, not just on Instagram posting things to make it seem like you're doing something, but you're actually doing that work. And I see you doing that over and over and over that becomes something that I can depend on. I can trust that behavior in you. I can respect that. And over time, you earn, so to speak, that level of leadership, if you will. But it happens by who you're being and how often you're being it, all for the reason of creating impact and service. Mm -hmm. Not so that you'll get more followers or that you'll get more money, but so that you'll make a difference. And that difference has the ripple. And that's you know, what great leaders have been able to do, whether they're in sports or business or political or social or whatever kind of leader they are. If you trace back why they started, they're not doing it for the money. They're doing it because something inside of them is calling them to do it. And they've answered that call as a, as a fearful as they may have been when they said yes to that call, they're actually acting on it and figuring out how to be better at that process every single day. And I've had those experiences where I'm like, ugh, I really have to do this. Like, I really don't have a choice. I mean, I have a choice, but the alternative is to continue to, to live in pain. Like I'm in yeah. discomfort, right? And right. so the pain of staying um, small or you know, not expressing your light or not expressing your gifts or knowing that you can create an impact and you're choosing not to because you're afraid of what other people might think, like that pain becomes so unbearable on your soul and your conscious that like you don't have a choice and yes. it doesn't always feel good, right? right? So I'm curious, like, have you ever had that experience where maybe there was a defining moment for you where you had these two paths and this one was like, okay, stay safe, stay. I'm not going to, I'm not using this for you, but mediocre, right. Stay average, stay here or step into my leadership. Had you ever come to like a defining moment like that? Okay. Can you share one and and, and tell us what that was like? Yeah. So one thing, a couple of things before I tell you that story is pressure is a privilege. There's another Instagram quotable. Yes. Right. We choose that. We want that as leaders because we're putting in all this work to make a difference. And that pressure sharpens that ability. That pressure focuses us on what matters. That pressure is good. It builds us. So we need to reframe how we look at that pressure because a lot of people say, I don't want pressure. And it's like, if we don't have the pressure, you can't be the diamond. So understand the importance of pressure first and foremost, right? Then the, the defining moment, I used to think that, you know, life came down to a couple of defining moments and to some degree they do, but a lot of life is just a continuing evolving moment. Like the moment is always the moment. It just flows. And so I want to be mindful of not giving one moment, all of the credit when all of the previous moments and the moments that follow help that moment become what it is, you know, but 
speaking in the context of like, man, this was really hard. I had a, I had a decision that I had to make and it changed its trajectory. That was when I, when I left my <laughs> industry job, right? So I went to school at, at UNLV, got my degree for, I wanted to be a physical therapist because that was the closest thing to sports. I had gotten a scholarship to go to these colleges for playing football, but decided I didn't want that because I wasn't feeling it. And I didn't want to put my heart into something that I wasn't all in on. So I was like, well, how can I still be around football and sport and physical therapy just made the most sense. So I got my degree there, went to the physical therapy clinic for three years and was just like, I can't do this nine to five. This is not for me. I want to make a bigger impact. I want to be more diverse with how I serve. And I, but I didn't have any money and I didn't know what that was. So the next logical step for me was to, you know, I live in Vegas. So how do I make more money? Get in the industry, work at a restaurant or work at the clubs. And so that's what I did. I got a job at Marquee, stayed there for a year and then went to Wet Republic, which is like the number one day club in the world. Then if you have been, it's insane. I could tell you stories for days on the things people do that no person should ever have to see. <laughs> but I've seen them. Yes. And they will never, I will never forget. So I stayed there for two years. And while I was there, I got the opportunity to speak to the staff, you know, one week after winning employee of the week. And part of their process is to take home this box, put something in it that represents you. So I take it home. I put some Tony Robbins CDs in there. I come back, I thank the staff. And I'm like, I put these CDs in here because one day I want to be able to do this. I want to be able to coach. I want to be able to inspire. I want to be able to help people get to their next level. People clap. They thought it was cool. I go to my section. The GM comes up to me and is like, hey, is this something you really want to do? I'm like, well, yeah, I've been thinking about this for a while. And he goes, okay. How do you feel about speaking to the staff every Friday for the rest of the season, which is an eight-month season? And I'm like, are you serious? Because I thought it was a joke. Like, what am I going to do? Motivate the bar staff to sell, sell more bottles? Like, <laughs> and He's like, no, I'm serious. If you want this, like, I'm willing to give you an opportunity to do it. So absolutely said yes. The next week I came back, gave a speech, used jelly beans as my kind of uh, metaphor that someone recorded that speech. It ended up going viral with an MGM. I have it on my YouTube. It was the start of my career, if you will. People came up to me afterwards and was like, say, you, you need to do this for a living. So the rest of the season, obviously I spoke there. I came back for a second season, spoke again. And it was in that second season that I was like, I, if I stay in this industry, making really good money, I'm not going to be happy. And if anyone has ever been in the industry, it's hard to leave. Like it's, it's it solid is, yeah. money. Like, I don't want to say you'd be stupid to walk away from it, but it's, it's so easy. It's like so easy to say yes to. And you know, I had the bare a minimum of self-awareness to be like, if I stay here, I'm not going to be happy. And so mm -hmm. towards the end of that season, I had to really make a decision to say, do I want to pursue something that I'm passionate about? Or do I want to play it safe? Do I want to play to win or do I want to pay, play not to lose. And there's Ooh, a big difference there. So good. Yeah. Right. So I decided to go all in on myself. Right. So I told the GM, I'm not coming back. And right after that season ended, I literally went door knocking companies in Vegas, knocking on doors, 24 years old saying, Hey, my name's James Silvis, performance coach. I can help your employees da, 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 raise profits, enhance the culture. And I got the door slammed on me. Cops called on me. Security called on me. No, 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 no. And I would come home empty handed night after night. And, you know, my wife saw this and she was super supportive and that absolutely helped. And there were moments, there was one moment in particular when I'm like, 
I don't know how much longer I can handle this. Am I, maybe I'm, I made the wrong choice. Maybe I'm not cut out for this. Maybe I am too young. I don't have anything to offer. And then I was on Instagram of all things. Of and I come, I come up with this quote or this philosophy is like, do what 99% won't do. Be mm-hmm. that 1%. And that was the birth of my brand. That was the birth of the philosophy that got me out of bed, that kept me going, that allowed me to persist in the knocking of the doors so much so that I met a client shortly after that, pitched myself, got into a first interview, a second interview, convinced them to give me 30 days. And if they didn't see any results in 30 days that we would split ties and go our own way. And I was able to produce measurable results. That company replaced my income that I had made at Wet Republic, working the same amount of days, uh, which was insane. And I stayed there. It was only supposed to be for 30 days, extended for a year, ended up staying there for four years. Wow. And that was the beginning of you know, my career. And, and I learned so much from that place that I now have incorporated in MGM and Caesars and you know these Fortune 500 companies that I'm fortunate now to work with. And it wouldn't have happened if I didn't stay true to being that 1%, doing what most people are afraid to do. Most people fear rejection. They fear embarrassment. They fear, you know, what if I commit all of my love and attention and resources to this thing and it doesn't work out? I had those thoughts, but I also said, what's the alternative? Playing not to lose and being unhappy in the place that I am, but having quote unquote security, security is an illusion. The job that you think is so safe is not safe. If we didn't learn anything from 2020, like we got to learn, we got to see the patterns, right? So the only thing that's secure is how you view yourself and what skills you develop so that no matter the, the economic collapse, no matter what goes on, you can survive, you can adapt, you can thrive. Mm. There's so much gold in all of this. And, and it's like, I'm, I'm literally seeing that visual, you know, of the minor, that's like, that's (laughs) like the, just keep going. Right. And we have so many network marketers that listen to, listen to the show and and new, new entrepreneurs that I think hit, hit that point, right. They see the vision and they get it and they, they buy into it and they're doing the do, and they just, they just can't seem to catch their big break. Right. And it's like, there's a specific skill set that you have to develop over time that you can only develop by doors getting shut in your face and the nose and the cops getting called and security and like all of that. And it's those at bats, right. Of like, like you were saying, like every day waking up and be like, I'm going to be the 1%, I'm going to be the 1%. And the, the more you do that, the closer you get to perfecting that thing. Right. So it's like this, um, I talk about this idea of building confidence, right? And you can apply this to anything. There's like a roadmap. It's like you you start with like, you take messy action. Like you, that first door knock, you were probably sweating through your clothes and nervous and, oh, yeah. you know, and you, you take messy action and then you, you gather feedback. Like, okay, next door, I'm going to do this. Right. And, and I'm going to, my pitch will be this way. So we take that messy action. We, we gather feedback, we refine our process and we repeat. And it's like the only difference between the people that quote unquote fail and succeed is the number of at-bats they've had. Yes. That's it. Right. Yes. Oh, so true. Like, yeah, you can't have confidence without action. No, no, 
know, you can read all the books. Yeah. So I, like I can watch videos of people squatting, but until I put that bar on my back, I don't know what I'm doing. Right. Like, exactly. Can, in theory. Right. And yeah. You can't buy wisdom. Right. Like people mm. and I used to do this. We, we buy these books to hear all these great one liners and, and all these mm -hmm. fantastic strategies that have worked for all these incredible people. And we're like, OK, we're going to read those. And then, you know, our life is just going to change. And it's like, no, you you didn't go from intellectual. I call it like an intellectual buzz. You have this like this high from learning something new, but you haven't applied that new learning so it hasn't become wisdom yet. Yes. And sometimes people feel they get in this desperate state and they read a post or they read a book or they listen to a podcast and they get that jolt of like, ooh, I'm doing something. Mm -hmm. and, and it is true like that it's better than not listening or not reading or not paying attention to. Right. But that's only one of two steps. That's the first step. The next step is to apply. Mm -hmm. And that's where most people fall off. Like so many people, oh, I've read so many, so many books. Okay. What do you remember from those books? Uh, or what have you applied from those books? Well, you know, it's like learn it, apply it, then refine it. Like what you're saying. And that leads to the conviction and to the integrity and to the confidence. And if you as a leader or, you know, whoever, whatever you're trying to do, if you're speaking and there's no conviction, that's emptiness. Yeah. You're just regurgitating. You're regurgitating. Yeah. You know, exactly. and, and people are going to feel that people aren't stupid. Yeah. They're going to sense it in your tonality and you may be able to fake it for some time to people who, you know, are easily fooled, but for the real ones, they're going to catch on like that. Mm. And then when you are placed in an opportunity, if someone even thinks that you're, a, you're ready to be in that position, but you're not because you've been fronting the whole time. Now you're really in, in trouble because you don't know what you don't know. Right. And then, but you also don't know what you say, you know, because <laughs> you haven't applied it. <laughs> right. Right. It's like this, this notion. I talk about this a lot again with my, my network marketers is like, you, you don't, you want to build a team of thought leaders, not a team of thought followers. Right. Mm -hmm. And so like in the coaching industry, you know, and we can, we could go down this rabbit hole, right. There's this, like difference between leading with a servant heart, like we were talking about before, yes. like what is your level of service and what is, or is it all, you know, the glitter and the fame and the fortune, right? And like one, the intention is to build other thought leaders, like allow me to be the guinea pig. And it sounds like that's exactly what you did. Like you took your own be the 1% philosophy and applied it to yourself. And you, be, yes. you walked the talk and you became the guinea pig. And as a result of that, you got results and now you can teach others how to be leaders in their own way versus the ego says, I'm the best and yes. I want you to love me and follow me, but don't be better than me. Right. Yes. I want, I don't want you to, you know, and that's, and we're, we, I know we were talking about this earlier, but like kind of the difference between leader and manager, right? Like a leader, I feel in my, when I think about leadership and like the role that it plays in my life. Like I want my clients to do better than me. Like I want to see them go out and express themselves to their highest level and have success in wild, incredible ways. And then a manager, like the, to me, when I hear the term manager, like, you know, minions and like, don't be better than me. Don't challenge me. Don't like, I, I don't, I want you to be a thought follower. Right. So can you riff on that a little bit? Like your viewpoint and like, especially in the, co in, the in this industry that we're in right now, in yeah. this, this term leader, like, is there, is there like a, that difference between leader and manager? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's something that I've really been thinking about a lot lately. And, and here's what I found. I want to be careful here because the natural tendency is to think that 
leaders are better than managers, mm. right? And every leader needs a manager and every manager needs a leader. And a leader can be a manager and a manager can be a leader, but it's important to know where you're at. Because you yes. may be a you may be a leader, not a manager, and you may need a manager, and you may be trying to be a manager, but you're not a manager, and that's causing frustration, <laughs> right? So, yeah. so the leader. <laughs> Let's unpack the, this. Yeah. Right. So the leader, in my research and in my opinion and in my observations, is the person who focuses mostly on the vision. Yes. It's the vision, the mission, and leading the charge. It's the person who innovates, who can think long-term and bring it back to communicate that to the people. A leader unites, a leader empowers, a leader um, knows how to influence and, and bring the unknown into the known. The manager, equally as important, is the implementer. The manager is the process person. They're, they take the grand thing and make it bite-size so that people can actually make that grand vision happen. Mm-hmm. They, they know how to delegate. They can oversee and make sure that things are getting done. Um, and they typically are just found in the day-to-day work. So as the leader is creating and talking and recruiting and inspiring and empowering, the manager is executing on what the vision is. Yes. So every leader needs a manager. A leader can be a manager. And the manager needs to really own the importance that the manager is and not think that it's less than the leader. And when all of that happens, then you create a very cohesive team where everyone's operating in their lane mm. and having appreciation for each other. So everyone, th- everyone feels wanted, needed, desired, and that's when their best work can show up. Yeah. This is like powerful archetypes, right? That we can tap into at any time. Right. And I receive this as masculine feminine as well. Right. So like the masculine for me is in my life and you know, the way I'm receiving it here is the manager. It's the container. Like it sets the box with all of the structure to hold Mm. the space for the leader, the visionary to create and to expand and to be wild and crazy and dream big. And that's the feminine, right? So the feminine likes to be held in the safe container of structure and form. Mm. That's what provides safety. Right. And so I love this because we can toggle back and forth between that in our business of like, when do I need to be the visionary? And then when do I need to be the executor or the manager? Right. And, and if it doesn't align for me to be that in my business, then who is the best person for that? And how can I generously employ them to manage and uh, support all of those areas of, of my business so that I can go off and be that visionary. Right. 100%. Absolutely. That, that is ideally what should happen. I love what, what you just said, because I think a lot of leaders will try and hold both positions and they'll get stuck in the managerial work and not think bigger or not evolve or not innovate or not move the ball forward. And they'll just stay in the maintenance mode. Oh yeah. And anything that stays the same for too long becomes stagnant. And anything that comes stagnant is toxic. Yes. So movement needs to happen, 
right? And if you're a leader, chances are you think big and you want to have a huge impact. Well, you can't do that alone and you can't do it all by yourself. So that's where you really need to have the humility to be like, look, I'm a leader. I'm not a manager. It's not that I'm not willing to learn it, but the time it would take me to learn it is what I can be devoting towards thinking bigger. So will you help me accomplish this grand vision or this powerful mission that I have that, you know, is ultimately going to lead us to a better quality of life. And a manager can come on board and actually execute on that, help you with that. Yeah. And this, this is how resistance shows up for me in my life. So I will be like, I am the manager and I'm going to (laughs) stay here. Um, and yeah, whenever I feel like I'm evolving right into a next level, cause it's like video games, right? You, you complete level one and you're like, I'm awesome. And then mm-hmm. level two comes along and you're like, I'm not as awesome as I right, thought I right. was. <laughs> Shit. I have new stuff to learn. So like, I will sit in the resistance of evolving by being busy, not productive, but busy, yes. like saying yes to everything or um, like manifesting some drama in my life or things that will take me like to drain my energy yes. or put me in a low vibrational state so that I just don't have capacity for the big stuff. Cause the big stuff takes energy. Right. And if I've <laughs> adopted a mantra from my, my business partner, Sandy is like my guru. She, well, I am my own guru, but like she represents like the feminine in our business and she's a spiritual practitioner and like energy is my number one priority. And sometimes I have to be reminded of that. And so, yes, having a team is so important. And also just anchoring in the fact that like what you do to start your business is not what you do to scale. Right. So to your point, yeah, you, at some point you can't be sales, marketing, finance, you know, customer service, distribution, all the things like you do have to bring that team on, but it can show up as resistance or fear around like hiring or fear around money or what if it doesn't work and and all that stuff. But once you can recognize that uh, your energy is your number one priority. Yes. And if you're constantly in manager mode and right. in resistance with all the things, like how can you ever make the impact that you're born to make? And you find yourself back in that space of feeling frustrated and the fork in the road. Okay. Like I have this decision. Right, exactly. Am I going to get out of manager mode and like do the damn thing? Or am I going to sit here in this hamster wheel of energy suck? Yes. Yes. So three things come up for me there. One, I think two powerful mindset shifts. One you already said is going from busy to productive, huge game changer, right? Like we, we get caught in this busyness because it kind of distracts us from the most bigger, the bigger things where, which tends to have more fear. So we hide behind I'm busy to avoid the things that scare us, right? So it's important to recognize where you're doing that and prioritize the things that are most important and execute on those things. So that's the first thing. Second thing is um, the work versus mission. So if I asked you, you know, what do you do for a living? And you tell me, oh, my work is da-da-da-da-da. Well, if you look at what you do as work, Mm. what's it gonna be? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Work. Yes. If you look at it as a mission, yes. what changes? Oh, I feel it in my body. It's like, I can't like my, if I don't do my mission, I die. Like I literally can't breathe. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah, it's going to require a lot of energy, but you don't look at it as a loss. You look at it as a, as a gain. You're mm-hmm. like, I get to do this. This is my responsibility. This is, this is what I was chosen for. This is what I choose. And when you choose 
that even though it's quote unquote work, it falls under the umbrella of mission. So you're, you're, you're able to last longer, think different, your, your whole time management, energy management changes because now it's for the mission, not for this thing that I have to do from nine to five and then check out from and try and go back to my normal life. Like the mission becomes infused with your everyday life. Mm. So that, that's the second thing that came up. And the third thing is energy management, which I know we talked about, like, you know, you can have all these grand visions, you can know what to do, but if you have no gas in the tank, so to speak, if your batteries aren't charged, how are you going to take action? You won't. You won't. You won't, right? Yeah. I mean, just just even that, like, and I hope people get this. Like, if you're listening, I really hope that you can, like, anchor into this difference between work and mission because I see a lot of people that get into that dopamine hit and that excitement. They'll go to an event, right? Mm-hmm. Or they'll listen to a podcast or they'll, and they'll get the initial, like, inspiration, but inspiration isn't the thing that's going to keep you going, right? Like inspiration will come and it will go, but tying into the mission is like, I, like, I can imagine that's why you were able to get up every single day. That is the 1%. What is my mission? What is my mission? And, And rooting back into that and, you know, getting into that energy of like, it's not about me. Like my mission is not about me. And it's about the people that I get to serve and the impact that I get to make. And when you, when you put that on your heart, like, like you, you can't not do it. Right. You can't can't do it. There is no option, but yeah, like resistance and limiting beliefs and imposter syndrome have such a sneaky way of showing up. Mm -hmm. And I've, I've, for me, like I was sharing earlier, it will show up in the busyness. And as a result of busyness will come like fatigue or drama or stuff that will like keep my head buzzing so that it's like open tabs, multitasking, you know, eating food. That's not great. Um, so can you talk a little bit about energy management and like getting into peak state? I mean, we know why that's important, right? Mm -hmm. But I think it would be helpful to shed some light on this because there's this maybe we're starting to shift away from it, but you know, a couple of years ago, there was like this like trend of like no sleep till Brooklyn, you know, like (laughs) I will sleep three hours and grind it out. And, and this burnout like badge of honor when it comes to running your business. And I see it a lot with the people that I coach in network marketing. And it's like, there is a better way. And that actually like the, I, I think that this is actually getting you further from what you want. Right. And like this idea that if I slow down, I actually go faster. So can you, can you riff on that for a little bit? Yeah. I mean, you can't hustle for worthiness, right? Like no, no matter how much work you think it'll take to the point where you're like, I'm worthy now, as long as that's the script, you're never going to get there. Mm. So we have to learn what is a, what is not leading us in, in a proper direction? We have to be able to think long-term and, and think about things that aren't sustainable. That thought process and belief is not sustainable. Mm. And if you're all about mission, which is doing something bigger than you for someone else, then it makes sense that you need to make sure that you're operating at the highest level you can so that the time you're dedicating to that craft, to that mission, that you can squeeze as much of, of it out of it as you can. Like, isn't that life? Like a lot of us will operate so much out of fear that we stay in these gray zones, these comfort zones, and we blend into the masses. And yeah, that may be 
quote unquote safe, but you have needs to want to stand out, to be unique, to make a difference. And you can't do that from the comfort zone, which means that you have to have enough energy to take action on the thing that scares you that's in alignment with making the mission more successful. And so there's, there's a really great book called The Power of Full Engagement, talks about energy management. That was actually where I learned the term. Come to find out that energy management has been a thing, but no one's really termed it like that until um, Jim Lore, I think is his name, Dr. Jim Lore. And he had worked with Fortune 500 companies, athletes, all these people, and realized like, look, a lot of people are on this time management thing. Uh, and it's not that time's not important, but time is limited. Energy is infinite. Yes. And so if you can learn how to manage that energy, you can maximize the time. If you schedule time for something, but you don't have the energy for it, then it's not happening. So energy is more, energy management is more important than time management. Yes. And I was just like, oh my gosh, that is fantastic. What? And so in the book, it goes more in depth, but there's an essence for domains and there are already domains that, you know, physical, right? This is how we eat, how we sleep, uh, what we put in our bodies, the environments we expose ourselves to. Uh, that would fall under the physical domain. The emotional domain is like the quality of your experience. What type of emotions are you experiencing regularly? Are they positive? Are they negative? And why? Mental is the time management piece. It's about focus. It's about time allocation, priority. How organized are you? And then lastly, and most important, this is the force behind what you do. This is the spiritual domain. Mm -hmm. This is where your, your vision lies, your mission is, your definition of success, your, your life philosophy, like getting clear on that organizes all the other areas, but it doesn't necessarily mean that the other areas aren't important. They kind of go in and out of each other. But when you have a direction that you're heading in, when you have a mission that you're all about, it's easier to get control of the mental, emotional, and physical. Yeah. And that's why a lot of people, when they first start into coaching or they talk about values and they talk about vision, like, yeah, it's cliche, but do you know them? Do you know what your values are? Do you have some sort of vision or direction that you're heading in? If you don't, you're going to be a tumbleweed blowing in the wind. And as soon as any sort of challenge comes up or any sort of person speaks with authority about why your idea or your thing isn't going to work, you're going to believe them over believing yourself. Mm. So you got to have a good pulse on all four of those domains. When you wake up, check in, where am I physically? Did I not have a good night's sleep? Okay. What nutritionally can I do to make up for that? Mm -hmm. Am I, you know, am I not feeling on right emotionally? Well, why is that? Who can I talk to reorient that for me? Where am I spending my time? Am I spending too much time on social media? Am I spending too much time gossiping about things that don't matter? Okay. Well, how do we fix that? What do I need to be spending more time on? And how do I actually make that happen? And then, you know, are my values still the same? Because my values pre-baby were different than post-baby. You know, my values pre-entrepreneurship uh, different than in entrepreneurship. You know, so it's important to constantly maintain where you're at with that. Mm -hmm. And then also the vision and the mission can change or refine. And so you got to keep asking those questions. Why am I doing this? What's the intention behind my actions? That adds color and weight and importance to the work that you do, which therefore makes it more rewarding when doing it. 
So I think having a good pulse in all those areas is important. Mm. I mean, this is like the blueprint for life, right? I mean, literally you just gave the blueprint for life because here's the thing, like you take that and you apply it to self, right? Because everything starts with self-accountability and we, right. we start here, right? So you take this filtration system or this blueprint and you go through your checklist for yourself, right? And you practice here, you start here every single day and then it becomes a habit. Okay, now you take this blueprint and you apply it to your business and you run your business through this filter. And you know, maybe, yes. the, maybe the categories look slightly different, but this is essentially how you think like a CEO because you've got to know your numbers, you've got to know your metrics, you got to know like what's driving, what's not, right? And then you now your business is running from a place of high energy peak state, right? Yes. And then you take that blueprint and you apply it to your relationship and you sit down with your partner and you say, okay, where are we at with this? Where are we at with that? You know, on a scale of one to 10, how happy are you with me in your life right now? And hopefully it's a 10, right? But if it's not, let's <laughs> pull some levers, right? And so I love that you just shared that because yeah, that's literally how we filter through life and yes. anything that we want is always going to rise and fall on those, those pillars. So mm. you mentioned baby and yeah. I'd love to know like now, <laughs> since we're talking about energy management and we're talking about leadership, I would imagine yes. your perspective on vision and mission and leadership and energy has changed quite a bit. So can you talk yeah. about how life post baby has yeah. shaped you and, and sure. the new James? Yeah. Gosh, the last, so Aiden's nine months and three weeks and it's, so nothing can prepare you for parenthood. You've heard that before. And I think every parent has heard that before. And so you do your best to somewhat make convince yourself that you know enough. And then you have your baby and it's just like, okay, you, um, how do we do this? And then you just day at day, day by day. Right. And, and, and so fatherhood meant something to me before I had a baby. Now it means like 35 different things all attached and inside the bucket of fatherhood. And I'm big on linguistics. I'm big on words. Mm. Words mean things. And a lot of people will say words don't matter. Words matter a shit ton. Like there are other ways we communicate with tonality and posture. Yes. But words have connotations. Words elicit emotions. Words create bridges for understanding. Yes. And if you know how to use your words and you're intentional with your words, that is a very powerful skill that you as a leader can use to influence. Mm -hmm. And so post baby fatherhood, that word now means leader. It means love. It mm. means uh, sacrifice. It means legacy. It means purpose. It means uh, richness, depth, compassion, um, empathy, like all those infuse into fatherhood. And so as these months have been unra unraveling and, and the lack of sleep has strengthened my grittiness, <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm so proud to be a father. And that pride and that love and that commitment has transferred into business. Like I bring that energy to my clients 
the same way I would challenge my son if he, if I believe that his thought process wasn't going to help him get from point A to point B, the same way I would challenge him is the same way I would challenge my clients. Mm -hmm. Whereas before, maybe I was a little hesitant and I don't want to cause any ripples. I don't want to cause any friction, maybe a little bit of a people pleaser. Now I'm just going right for the jugular. <laughs> And, and not feeling bad about it because you hired me to get a result. I'm going to get you that result, but here's what's stopping you. And I'm going to bring awareness to it bluntly, honestly, with respect and integrity, but you're going to know, yeah. and I'm not going to feel bad about letting you know. So there's been that. And then my love for Amanda, seeing her as a mother, and then being able to see her in Aiden and then see myself in Aiden is like a full circle love moment. That's going to be so wild. Like I can't yeah. even imagine. Yeah. Cause like you love yourself. I love Amanda and I love Aiden, but I'm reminded of all three of those loves in Aiden. Mm. And it's crazy. That is so powerful. I have like goosebumps, <laughs> but it's the ultimate leadership role. It is. It is. And so you know, when he gets up at 5.30 in the morning. Yeah, that's hard. Yeah, I want to sleep. Yeah, there are times where I milk as many minutes as I possibly can before I go pick him up as soon as he cries. But the moment I have him in my arms, then that doesn't matter anymore. Yeah. You know, and, and that's how I feel about my work. Like people ask, how do you, how do you just, continue to put out content like that. That's so consistent. Or how do you just show up and, and how do you not get tired leading two and a half day masterminds? And when you're on quote unquote on all the time, I'm like, it's not work. Right. It's a mission. It's like, this is what gives me energy. Yeah. I don't get drained. I right. gain, I am in a plus. Yeah. It's hard to go to sleep. Yeah. Right. <laughs> it's like, it's hard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I, and I get that maybe not a lot of people will experience that, but for those who do, I want to let you know that it's, that's okay. Mm. And, and that's, and, and maybe that's not for everybody. You know, I'm not naive to think that my way is the only way. I, I definitely don't think that that's not how I coach. I don't coach about formula. I coach about framework. Here's what's worked for me, but here are, here are some practices that you can use in any situation. I'm not going to tell you how to do it. You're going to do that, but I'm going to give you the tools so that you have tools to use in those moments where you need them. Yeah. And, and so I think it's just focusing on like, what do I need right now? And going back to those four categories and realizing that you taking care of yourself is ultimately allowing you to take care of other people. Yeah. I mean, it's like, like to your point, you're sitting there holding Aiden and you're seeing the mission, like you are holding the mission. And so when right. you're on stage or you're at your mastermind, you are in the mission, like you are seeing it tangibly touching it. And that, it, that just get that ref that gives you the energy. Like that yes. is the, the infinite source, you know, yes. of energy. And, it's like, um, it's like being in purpose on purpose, you know? Mm. And, and I think a lot of people get caught up around that too. It's like, well, I don't know my purpose, so I can't take action. And it's like, sometimes you act and then the purpose shows up. And also, also like sometimes you being you is the purpose. 
Yes. This moment is the purpose. You know, like you don't, it doesn't need to be some grand thing that you spent eight months cultivating into one sentence. So now you can finally take action. It's, it really can be as simple as you being on purpose because you're alive and you're one of one as our friend Brandon Collinsworth says, and you're, you're your own uniqueness. And so that is purpose. Yeah. Your purpose can be just to live a fully out loud, 100% authentic life. And I think we all have that in us, right? I, I truly do believe that we all have the ability to be that 1%, but at somewhere, somewhere along the lines, you know, there, the beliefs were formed or our environment, you know, hasn't given us that opportunity, but I, I had the gift of spending all of 2020 in California with my best friend, Ashley and her three-year-old mm-hmm. daughter, Hadley. And the first couple of months were challenging because I've never lived with a toddler before. And I was like, I am <laughs> never having kids. Uh, but now I have a completely different perspective, but she taught me so much about what it looks like to live in your purpose. Cause she mm-hmm. has very clear goals in life, have mm-hmm. fun and love. And that's it. Like, just, I just want to be loved. I want to love and I want to have fun. And like, that's, that's her purpose in life. Right. And to watch her relentlessly go after that purpose every single day, it was like amazing to witness mm. and reminded me that, you know, like we all have that in us, like we can all tap into that, but we, you know, formed a belief that somewhere along the way that, you know, that wasn't allowed or we couldn't do that anymore. And we had to be responsible. And I mean, we could go, that's, that's probably like a whole nother (laughs) podcast episode. Right. But yeah, I feel like we all do have the opportunity to live that 1% and to be our purpose, whatever that is. And, and, and it's unique to us. Like you said, like the purpose could be just to be an amazing human. And that's right. it. And that, that's right. that we, we actually need that. We actually <laughs> yeah. need you to be an amazing human. We actually need you to live in your purpose and just go out and be great every single day, whatever great is, is for you. Mm-hmm. Right. So true. Like, yeah, as humans, <laughs> we, we just we overcomplicate things. I, oh, yeah. you know, I complicate <laughs> things all the time and it's and like the Regularly. question of like, yeah, how do I simplify <laughs> this? And I forget who said it, but it was like simplicity is the ultimate sophistication or whatever. Like simplicity is beautiful and, and there's complexity in simplicity, but like, <laughs> I know, oxymorons, but, yeah, but it's true, but like minimalism and simplicity and, and simple and peace, easy, peace. simple, yeah. peaceful, like, yes, s- small bite size, you know, like if we, if we can think more like that, I think it'd be easier to take a lot of action rather than comparing ourselves to the highlight reel of the gram and thinking I got to go from zero to 80 like tomorrow. Yes. Yeah. And like, it's, you know, when, again, we all have those moments where we're like, okay, I see the vision and it's so big. Like, okay, I don't even know where to take the first step. So I'm just, I'm just going to watch Netflix instead. Like, (laughs) like, okay, I see the vision and freeze, (laughs) you know? Yeah. Seriously. Yeah. And, and yeah, it's, it, and that fear or that resistance is paralyzing, totally. but you have to be able to catch yourself there because if you had the vision, you have the capacity to execute it or yes. else you would not have had the vision. Yes. And you're the only one that had that vision. Yeah. So if you don't bring that to life, then you take it to the grave And I never forgot something that Les Brown said in one of his famous speeches. He was like, the richest place on earth is the graveyard. 
because people die with their dreams. They die with these things that they wanted, but never acted upon. And if you were to go and dig up all these bodies and ask them, Hey, what vision did you have that you really wanted, but you never acted on? You would have singers, athletes, business ideas, songs, like all this magic, magic. magic yeah. That magic. just died. Ugh. Yeah, man. Yes. That is the facts. Just <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> so go be great. Right. I appreciate all the work that you do and, and, the, and the, how you serve your audience. And I think in, in network marketing or just in entrepreneurship, like you are, you are your own responsibility and the mind is my obsession and it can be your best friend or your worst enemy. And for most people, it's their worst enemy, mm-hmm. but you don't have to choose that. There's a choice, right? Like I'm sure you've heard of the, the story of the two wolves, right? Like my professor told me that story in my senior year of college. And the story is like that great grand Cherokee grandfather that has his little grandson and starts telling him a story about these two wolves and how one represents evil and lust and rage and jealousy and bitterness and anger. And the other one represents love, peace, joy, happiness, fun. And the grandson's like, well, which one wins grandpa? they're fighting all the time and the grandpa goes whichever one you feed Mm. you know and it's like who are you feeding which wolf are you feeding yes every day when you wake up what's the first thought that comes to your mind if it's not supportive if Mm. it's not powerful you can change that stop giving ribeye steaks to that bad wolf right like cook up a fillet for the good one and like let's give him some vegetables yeah some vegetables right (laughs) (laughs) you know wolves i just meet wolves and go hand in hand but like yeah throw them a freaking vegan burger (laughs) (laughs) it's it's so true and i think the most powerful and also terrifying realization is that you have a choice yes because how i mean i see it in my own life i remind myself i'm like oh i have a choice um that people are using the fact that they don't have a choice as the excuse. Well, I can't, I don't have right. any money. I don't have enough time. I'm married. I have kids. I can't move. I have a job, like ugh, all the things. Well, you have a choice in that. Well, no, I don't. Well, you do. <laughs> You're just choosing right. this thing, right? It comes down to values. Like I can choose not to pay my rent and go to Tulum for a month if I want to. And, and, there are things that will happen on the other side of that. So what are my values? Like, what do I value the most? Do I value peace in my life? Yes. Then I'm going to pay my rent. (laughs) (laughs) Right. 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 And like, I just have the image of like the ostrich putting its head in the sand. Yes. It's like, I can still see your body. (laughs) Like just you're being hunted. And just because you can't see the hunter. Yes. Does not mean that they're not going to bite you. Yeah. So like you can trick yourself, mm-hmm. I guess, or avoid to mm-hmm. say like, well, I don't have a choice. My life isn't because I chose this life. Look, do you want to be successful? Do you want to be a leader? Do you want to make impact? And do you want to live life on your terms? If your answer is no, then keep doing what you're doing. Like right. the ostrich head in the sand, that that's your strategy, like milk that. 
I can't, I can't tell you how to live, right. But I can ask you a question, right. And if your answer to that question of, I want to be a leader, I want to make impact. I want to make sure my life is, you know, one that I could be proud of, then you have to take responsibility and ownership for that. Yes. And nothing else will change until that shift, until that switch goes on in your brain. Yeah. Because until then, you're not going to notice the opportunities. You're not going to have the honest conversations and you're not going to accept the feedback that's necessary for you to grow. And you're going to be living completely out of integrity because you're not in congruency. Like you're not operating from a congruent place because you're, you're making, you're, you're saying all these things that are not true. You're actually living a completely untrue, out of alignment, out of integrity life. Because the fact is you can do this thing or you can do that. You're just choosing not to, right? And that is the most freeing and also terrifying realization. Like once you get to that point, you're like, oh, so I actually am responsible for all of this stuff. Yes. Okay. Now I, and now I can decide, do I want to choose something different? And, oh man, what's on the other side of that is, freedom and a lot of very difficult conversations, a lot of challenges, a lot of like pain and rejection and all that, but it's, it's worth it. If you want to be that 1%, like that's what the 1% do. They choose differently. Right. hundred percent. And and going back to that energy management piece, you you won't operate from the conflict anymore Mm. because you're (sighs) in integrity, right? Like what you're thinking and feeling and doing is in alignment. That's integrity. Yes. So rather than thinking and feeling, but not doing that disconnect creates conflict. Mm. So every time you say something that, you know, you're not doing every time you give advice to your friend about what they should do that you're not doing, <laughs> right. <laughs> this is the, that's the best. That's you should the do best. This. Like, you do should you do this. Oh, uh, well, <laughs> in theory, it's a great idea. Right. Let me watch you see, do it first. And then if it works, I'll do it. <laughs> Exactly. Conflict, energy drain. That's like turning the vacuum on on your energy. It's like, yes. Yes. And like, why do I feel so tired? Why do I feel like I don't have confidence? Why do I feel like my life is a mess? Because you're not living in integrity. Right. Because you're saying yes. It's and it's this um, this idea of consent. Like you're consenting to a bunch of stuff that's actually a no for you. Like you're actually saying exactly. yes to stuff that's a no. This is so, um, I just had a, I just did a podcast with my girlfriend, Nicole Sylvester. She's kind of in oh, our yeah, industry. Yeah. I'm sure you know, Nicole. And we were talking about this idea of, um, like boundaries and body intelligence and, and, um, energy and all that stuff. And can, I'm in a state right now of confusion. Like I have this situation that's going on in my life. It's putting me in a perpetual state of confusion, which is draining mm-hmm. my energy. And I'm like, this, that, that conversation and this one is just reminding me of like, mm. you have a choice and you're choosing confusion. You're choosing this perpetual state of like a trauma response of staying in this loop of, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Well, I'm choosing that. Right. Mm. And I think again, this is how, um, resistance can show up in our lives. Like where we will literally manifest a situation that will put us in a state of confusion or distraction from the mission Yes, that is the mission. So thank you for that. What, of course, of course. <laughs> what are your, what are your thoughts on indecisiveness? Oh, I, I think that, and I I've experienced this. I mean, I am experiencing it <laughs> um, because it's a, it's a disconnect or a conversation between the head and the heart. 
or the head and the body of, right. Mm -hmm. Of like this thought process that the thoughts that are driven by maybe lack or fear or potential Mm. potential like I'm gonna record a whole podcast on like the light and dark side of potential because there's a light side of potential and there's a shadow side and I think a lot of people live in a state of potential and they're not living in reality and that's kind of the disconnect of like in my head in my brain I'm thinking about the potential of this could be or maybe or this or what if and blah 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 but in reality in the body the body's telling me what the actual results are or what the real decision is, but there's a disagreement, like the head and the heart are not in congruency and it's indecision is a result of, um, maybe the mind being a little bit louder than the body. Mm. And as a result of that, you you constantly put yourself in a state of anxiety because you're dishonoring what the body is saying. Right. Mm. So it's like this ego higher self battle between like what your old self likes and what your future self wants. And your current self is like ping ponging back and forth. Like that's, that's indecision. It's like that, that feeling. Yeah. I like that. I like that disconnect there. Uh, the body and the mind. It's true. The body has its own intelligence and the heart has its own intelligence, right? Like Mm -hmm. the heart is the first thing that forms in the egg when a baby is being born. There's a certain innate wisdom and intelligence that the heart comes with. Mm -hmm. And because it's scary to navigate emotion or um, what we feel because they're so, it can be so nebulous and and invisible that we avoid that intelligence, right? But if Mm -hmm. we just realize that sometimes we can't solve the mind with the mind and that we need to connect to the body, right? And like, listen to the body. That's when we can bridge that communication so that we can become more decisive because the mind is a justification machine. It will construct things that don't exist. It will, it will lead you down a path that looks real, but isn't right. Like it, it is a master manipulator. And also a masterful tool on thinking bigger and grander and all these things like light and dark back to what you were saying. What balances that is the, the nudges and, and the, the feelings inside that, that adds validation, right. To a thought. And so Mm -hmm. like spending more time in that connection, I think is, is super, super, super important. I think, yeah. Being more decisive is like having that clear channel of connection. And I think the more that you use the tools, meditation, mindfulness, awareness, um, the power of the pause, you know, when you're making a decision, is this a head decision? Is this a body decision? It Mm. becomes a little bit easier to be decisive. Like nine times out of 10, I'm a fairly decisive person because I feel it in my body. Like I made a decision to move from California to Atlanta and three weeks later I was here because I knew in my body. Like the moment I walked into my apartment, I felt yeah. it. I started crying. Like it was a yes, right? And and so I think sometimes when we are maybe this is it. Maybe this is the the key is is the non-attachment to the outcome of like just being open to the mystery of what's possible. Mm. The yes or no can come a lot faster because you can feel it right away. It's an expansion. Like for me, a yes is like everything. I'm like, yeah, I'm Mm. like, yay. My arms are open. My heart's open. My body is like excited. And when it's a no, it's just, it's a no. Like I'm closed off. I'm cold. I don't feel the butterflies. It's numb. It's like, that's a no. But if we're trying to make a decision based on an expectation or 
an attachment. Mm-hmm. I think indecisiveness comes in where our body's telling us something, but we're, it's contradicting the expectation that we have yeah. Yeah. or the outcome that we want. And so this is where I had this come through in a meditation one day when I was in Sedona, it was like, where has my need to control robbed me of the magic of life? Mm. Cause I want this thing. Like I'm so fixated on this goal. And I think we get stuck in this in entrepreneurship as well. It's like, we have this mission and the vision it's going to look this way. And we're so focused on it that we don't realize that there's actually something better. So that practicing that um, Mm. non-attachment to the way it's supposed to show up or the way it's supposed to look. I think for me personally, that's where when I get in indecisiveness, it's because I'm attached to a particular outcome, but my Mm. body's telling me something different and and there's like a negotiation that's going on. (laughs) That's cool. I like that. That's a huge, that's actually one of the shifts that I talk about mindset wise is going more so from outcome to process. Mm-hmm. Right, and realize the importance of the process and how that will eventually lead you to the outcome that that process is destined to take you. Yeah. But, but when we become like what you're saying, attached to that outcome, then we get in our minds, we're like, well, how are we going to do that? Mm. And it's like, well, it, we just had it. So it's not like you're in, instantly going to be downloaded the map on how to get there. Part of the, ex, the experience is figuring it out. Yes. Like what fun is a game that you say, okay, here's where you got to go. And here's all the cheat codes. It's like, yes. oh, well, that's not very fun. Yes. The fun is in the pain. Sometimes it's in the uncertainty. It's in the navigation. I'm like, oh, I just made the wrong turn. Damn it. Got you turn, go back on the path. Like that's life. That's so, my favorite thing, by the way, is like when my GPS redirects me and then I'm on some random back road. I'm like, this is so beautiful. Thank you. Right. But it's like, so on that note, kind of an interesting experience in this moment right now, um, realization. There's a quote, it's a Garth Brooks song, country song, like sometimes God's greatest gifts are unanswered prayers, right? Mm -hmm. And I think we can spend so much time hoping and wishing and praying for something in the moment and disappointed that it doesn't happen. But in hindsight, like life takes a completely different turn. And I navigated a transition out of my marriage in the end of 2019. But in the context of that marriage, my husband and I were trying to start a family and for years and like, there was no biological reason why it wasn't happening. But I feel like if I'm really being honest on some level, I knew that it just wasn't right. Mm. And this day, 2018, I actually got pregnant. And on the same day, our very close friend of ours died. So Mm. it was a very interesting experience of like navigating through life and death. And about a week later, I ended up miscarrying. Mm. And in that moment, it felt like the worst thing ever. And of course, like any woman that goes through that experience knows that like your whole life shifts the moment you see that little plus sign, right? right? Like life as we know it completely changes no matter what. And, you know, I reflect back now and I think, well, that wasn't my path. Right. But the thing that I had prayed for and I'd hoped for, and I was so fixated on to the point where it was like a science experiment, right. Mm. Was not my path. And now today I'm like, wow, life would look very different. I don't know that I would be able to live into the purpose that I'm meant to serve on this path had that path happened. And I think sometimes in the moment, we don't realize like, okay, this or something better. And sometimes the something better doesn't always show up in the most exciting and comfortable and happy way. But in hindsight, I'm grateful that, you know, one, I could go through that experience, but two, that it did turn out the way that it did because it's given me 
the freedom and the opportunity to do things and pursue things in my life that I never would have been able or wouldn't have been able to pursue in the same way. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Kudos to you for bridging that together. Yeah. Like I just was connecting the dots on that now and just thinking about all the things in life, you know, that we ask for and pray for and stress out about that don't end up coming to fruition because there's a a better opportunity or plan or something like that. Right. (laughs) Right, right. Yeah. And we can never see it until no. we reflect. We're like, oh, right. Yeah. Okay, I got it. Thanks. Thanks. Thanks for that. Cool. Right. Got my back. <laughs> yeah. It, yeah, I've been thinking about that in like cliches because like, yeah. you know, uh, Steve Jobs' famous speech of like, you can't connect the dots until looking forward. Know, looking yeah. forward, right. Yeah. And like, you know, you, you say that and people are like, yeah, 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 yeah. And you're like, no, but really. Pe- yeah, treat people how other people want to. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, if, if it's a mission, you're never working a day of your life. Yeah, and I got it, I got it. It's like, if we could just study the cliches and actually <laughs> take that seriously, yeah. our life would be great. Yeah. No, they actually mean something. Right. Like, like that, actually, there's a reason why it's a cliche. And it's been passed down. Like, this is like uh, ancient wisdom that's actually been passed down by right. word of mouth. Yeah, someone... <laughs> <laughs> a thousand years ago thought yeah. it was important enough to say, Hey, remember this. And then yeah. their kids are like, remember this. Yeah. And all of a sudden our ears and we're like, ah. yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. So. oh, this conversation's given me life. Thank you so much. I feel like we could just, you know, go down all the rabbit holes, but we have missions and work and management roles to execute on. So I would love for you to share what you're most excited about right now in terms of your business and your offerings, how people can connect with you. If they're like resonating with everything you're sharing, where can people get into your vortex? Yeah, absolutely. So a couple of things that are getting me excited. One, I'm going to be coming out with uh, two programs this year, one on self-awareness and the other on influence. So um, I would say stay tuned for those. I'm thinking August and October for those dates. Self-awareness first, influence second. Um, also, master like master so masterminds have been something that I've been really really excited about and like figuring out how to take the experience deeper and deeper. And basically, that's where eight to twelve leaders, entrepreneurs, growth-minded individuals get in a same room in another part of the country or in. Um, part of the world. And we dive deep into business and personal life and finding the harmony between those two. Because mm-hmm. your business can be thriving and you can make a lot of money. But if your personal life sucks, I don't care how much money you make, you're not happy. No. And, if, and if your personal relationship is good, but you also aren't thriving in your career or your business or whatever, that's also not good. So how do we make sure that we're leveling up both of those? So that's what the mastermind focuses on, really peeling back the layers of you know, what's holding you back, what the next level looks like and actually road mapping how to get there. And so we've been going around the country for the past, I've been going around the country and having them in Minnesota and San Diego and Las Vegas and Texas. And that's been awesome. But the next level to that is, is having people go through a year experience nice. where we go to different countries. Oh, and, yes. you know, for example, ones like in Bali or ones in London or ones in Australia or mm-hmm. another's in Peru. 
And over the course of that year with the same individuals, not only are you seeing different cultures and getting different exposure to new ideas and how people live, but you're growing deeper connections with those that you're in the program with. Yes. And that excites the hell out of me. Yes, I can. Yeah, that feels right? so good. Yeah. And, and so that uh, obviously traveling right now is tricky. So we're hoping 2022, if not 20, more like 2023 to unveil that. So if you're interested in, in a mastermind experience that's local to you know this country, then I have plenty of those. So reach out if you're interested. And then if you're interested in that you know, over the world one, then uh, be patient and it's coming. I love so, that. Amazing. Yeah. Oh, and where can people find you? So What's Instagram the is the best. I'm always yeah. on Instagram, uh, James underscore Silvis. I'm sure you're going to put in the show notes. And mm-hmm. then I also have a podcast too. So if you like what you hear, definitely go check me out there. It's also in the link in my bio, I have everything there under the link tree. So just shoot me a DM, an email. I'm always here to serve, help out where I can. Thank you for listening. Thank you for being part of Melissa's audience. And it's been such a honor to be able to share what I've learned throughout you know, the course of my coaching career and life. Yeah. This episode is one of my favorites. I will go ahead and say that now. <laughs> I think people say that about every episode, but I really mean that this time. And and guys, if you love this, um, make sure you follow James on Instagram. Like I said, his, his content is fire. Uh, your quotes always speak to me. I'm always like, yes, how many, how, is it awkward to keep sharing your stuff? No. Um, you know, like you have your people that you follow and you share their stuff all the time. Okay. Last question. And you yes. can, you know, go as long as you need to, what are you celebrating right now? Celebration. That's a, that's a good word. I mean, I associate gratitude and appreciation with that, but the image that comes up is me like jumping up and down for something, right? (laughs) Yeah. So what am I jumping up and down for right now? I mean, I'm not necessarily jumping up and down, but emotionally, like I, I've been, I cry all the time when it comes to Aiden. I mean, so celebrating the fact that I get to be a father and hold my son as he goes to sleep and watch the way he drinks his bottle and looks at me and touches my face. Um, you know, that, that's, I mean, that, that's a different type of celebration. That's an internal celebration. Right. So I think that, um, is probably the, the most impactful and, and resonant one. Um, but I think just generally speaking, I'm grateful to be able to have found what I love to do and what will probably be what I do for the rest of my life. You know, I, I don't know if everyone has found that and, or if they will find it and to have found it at such a young age where I can have the compound effect actually take a lot longer to produce more results and fruits for people. I just, I'm grateful and yeah. appreciative and celebrate that. Yes. Yeah. And there's no wrong answer. You can, yeah celebrate that you drank 65 ounces of water today. Like it's all (laughs) worth celebrating, right? Right, right. I love that. James, thank you so much for giving so much of your time and your wisdom and your energy and your light to my community and just showing up as an incredible leader who is so mission-driven, who truly walks the talk every day in and out of your business life, your personal life. Like I know without even knowing you personally, that who you are personally is who you are online. And I appreciate that. So thank you so much for being here. And thank you. 
make sure you guys share this episode, tag James, and until the next episode, live your boldly courageous life. Bye guys. Thank you so much for living your boldly courageous life with me today. I am beyond grateful for you and this amazing community we are building together. It's truly my mission to get this message out into the world and empower others to step fully into the life they've always dreamed of. I would be so incredibly grateful if you would join me in this mission by sharing this episode with your friends and heading over to iTunes to leave me a five-star review. And until the next episode, remember to live your boldly courageous life.